2: Strange Familiars. If you have had an encounter with the paranormal and you want to share your story with us, you can email us StrangeFamiliarsPodcast at gmail.com. So on tonight's show, we're going to be talking with Jay, who's got several experiences to share with us. The most intense one he shares with us, he looked out the window and he saw his brother on the roof. Except his brother at the time was living in another state.
0: I think just the roof would be enough for me. <laughs>
2: very, very creepy. Very creepy. His other brother saw this white entity in the field near their house one day, and this turned into a childhood game. As a folklorist, this is very, very interesting to me, because this thing was dressed in white, whatever it was, and then the kids in the neighborhood picked up on this, and they said kind of randomly, one kid would put on white and start running around, and the other kids would try to catch him, and it was all based on this thing his one brother saw, his younger brother saw. So... Like I said, as a folklorist, that's incredibly interesting to me. And he's got a story of a disembodied voice he heard the same time every night when he was living in a certain place, the exact same time every night. Said the same thing. Very, very strange.
0: I didn't listen to the interview, so not, not as a spoiler, but does it say something foreboding or is it just kind of say something? It's fairly foreboding. <laughs> okay. I, I, I took it as foreboding. Okay.
2: Definitely creepy. Before we get to Jay's story... I want to remind everybody about the Instagram contest we have going on with Riverbend Comics. If you listened to last week's show about the shadow and the follow up Patreon episode we did, which was related to that, you know we're running a giveaway with Riverbend Comics. It's riverbendcomics.com. We're giving away two shadow graphic novels. Just take a picture of a shadow. It can be your shadow, it can be somebody else's shadow, it can be a shadow of something. Just make it creative. You want to tag us on Instagram at Riverbend Comics and at Strange Familiars. We're going to pick our two favorites, and those people will get one copy of either of these shadow graphic novels that we're giving out. So don't forget to submit your shadow pictures. All right, without further ado, let's get to Jay's story. Tonight we're talking with Jay, who has a variety of experiences dating back to a fairly young age. Isn't that right, Jay?
3: Yes. uh, Thank you so much for uh, listening to me tonight.
2: Oh, happy to have you on. I'm glad to be able to feature your stories. Every time we get uh, new stories, it seems like other people hear them and they want to share their stories as well. So I think in general, it helps everybody.
3: I do too. I I think um, sharing these experiences is uh, exceptionally important. A lot of people can be afraid to come forward for a variety of reasons, and I I, I really hope that what I have to say um, inspires somebody else to talk about something that they've dealt with that um, maybe's been uncomfortable for them.
2: It it almost certainly will. It re, it really does. I I you know doing this show that's one of the the most amazing things to see people and and people bring up something that seems completely bonkers you know and then sure enough i'll get an email very soon after the show like hey i've seen that or i've seen something very similar to that
3: yeah i think that's um absolutely uh the best part of 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 sharing it like this one quick question though hey do you um mark down where you've spoken to people Have, have you done sort of like a almost like a contact tracing concept regionally. Just wondering.
2: No, that's really interesting. I mean, that's a very, very interesting idea. I, you know, I can tell you off the top of my head, just because of where we're located, I think most of our stories come from Pennsylvania. I think next is Texas. And then after that, um, probably Northeast.
3: I was very surprised to find that there's a very rich ghost culture in Texas, leading very far, uh, far back into settler days, ghost stories and things like that. And also, I, I come from Vermont. I don't know if that uh, needs to be said. And I didn't even know about the Bennington Triangle until, I don't know, 10 years after I had left. Mm-hmm. So kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and a lot of people had experiences within you know what would be the, the general area of that. And Later on, found out, oh, this is a thing.
3: Yeah, exactly. Well, like I said,
2: I know your experiences start like pretty when you were pretty young. You want to start there?
3: Yeah, you know, uh, just for quick background sake, I'm, I'm the weird kid. I'm the kid who, um, at six or seven, is sitting on the porch looking at the bushes you know, looking at what's around me going, there's got to be something behind all of this, Hmm. like wanting to peel back reality and look at whatever is behind that uh, to try to figure out what's real. Um, So I had this, this intuition that there was another layer of reality. Um, And I I think that came across very much um, as a kid I grew up in a, a small or uh, in a very large house in a very small town, in a very old house, and the house seemed to have like a a mood. I I, I can't put my finger on any one particular localized phenomena in general, except for one instance that I'll get to, but that there was this sense of presence, whether or not it was the house, whether or not it was something in the house that permeated the house. You know, maybe that's what people say when they say the house feels old Mm -hmm. um, when there's age, but I never felt like I was alone in that house, no matter where I went. Uh, It was always as something was observing me or just paying attention. And that leads to the first experience, which happened when I was about nine. I was walking through a particular part of the house upstairs, close to my bedroom's, uh, my parents' bedroom, where I felt least comfortable. I don't know. I think I was just going through the house one day. And it was in the middle of the day. We're not talking midnight or anything like that. And I was going through a room... The house is very long, so there's a lot of double doors leading into a room and then leading out of the bedroom, for for example. And I look up into this little window that is the only window in this bedroom, and I see my brother sitting on the roof, my brother who's been gone from the house for the last at least three to five years at this point. He was living somewhere else. He was living in Florida at the time. Okay. Okay. And he looks in the mirror, and he gives the most uncomfortable grin. It's not a smile. It was definitely a grin. There was no heart behind it. There was no kindness behind it. And like he was moving his head back and forth like a confused dog. That's the best way I can put it. Scared the heck out of me. You know, um, you don't expect to look up and see that. And I moved out of that room as quickly as I possibly could back down the stairs. I came and back across basically the entire house into an area where I knew my mom was um, because I just needed to be near another living person. I didn't tell her anything. Um, She happened to have a guest there and, you know, like that that instance, you don't want to seem like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Um, you just don't say anything.
2: So did it look exactly like your brother? Like there was no uh, nothing unusual about it other than the the way he was acting? And the I fact that he was on the may have,
3: it, it may have had that fey kind of too big look. Mm-hmm. Um, but not extremely so. Every other detail was 100% my brother and could have been my brother wearing a, a white t-shirt.
2: <laughs> That's so creepy. Now, yeah. was this roof area an an area that you could normally get on, or was would it be unusual for somebody to, to be there?
3: I mean, technically, you could get on it, but I would have heard... We, we had a slate roof, an old slate roof, mm-hmm. and you would have heard somebody moving around up there, and it's on a very sharp, steep slope, so to hold yourself in place... You would have had to uh, really be trying.
2: Yeah, this is creepy. And did you have any sense that this was your brother playing a trick on you, or did you just know this is wrong? Something's this isn't right.
3: Well, I I, I was very cognizant of the fact that he wasn't in our state. I mean, he moved out after high school, and he was he was playing in a band in Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew for sure that wasn't him. And I mean, the whole thing felt, filled me with dread to the point where, you know, I couldn't even go through that room again for quite a while. Wow. I just avoided that part of the house.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's super creepy.
3: Yeah.
2: You wonder what the purpose was. Like, was it trying to appeal to you or or draw you to it you know hey i'm your brother or you know was the whole intention to to creep
3: you out yeah see that's the weird thing is like first of all it's a it's a doppelganger experience it's using somebody familiar Two, i want to say that it was trying to smile but because of what it is, because of its nature, it doesn't understand that just baring your teeth yeah. is, is not necessarily a friendly uh, interaction. Right, right. You know, like there's this alien quality to these experiences where you're dealing with an intelligence that doesn't quite get it. You know, and that I think is is an important concept uh, when you run into situations where you have beings or intelligence that sort of just people happen upon and uh, are surprised by. Like, I mean, if if our intelligence is part of this interaction, they're pulling images from our head as quickly as possible going, I'm just this. Mm -hmm. We're cool. You know, right. um, but they do it in a way that's wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I'm reminded once again of you know the the stories I get from little kids who see the Easter Bunny but a seven foot tall and completely creepy, or see a cartoon character you know like from their favorite cartoon or something who's beckoning them under the house.
3: Right. Exactly. Like, I mean, what's in a kid's head? Video games, cartoons and people in big plush suits, all of which under other context, other than the context they actually encounter them, is not okay.
2: Right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Did you ever tell your brother about this?
3: Um, You know what? I never did. And he ended up being somebody who is fairly sensitive himself. I mean, we've had some really deep conversations about spirituality, about philosophy, about what's it all about later in life. Um, I was not aware of any of that level of like putting into words what I was feeling when I'm saying like, there's something behind this reality, Mm -hmm. not at nine and 10 years old. I hadn't, I hadn't tracked those books yet, basically.
2: Sure. Yeah. Wow, that's a creepy one. That's very, yeah. very creepy, and and that's the only thing that I mean, other than just you said this this sort of general feeling of not being alone in that house. That's the only thing, like the standout kind of.
4: That's know.
3: that's really a very standout environ environmental situation that was like um, like a contact level experience. The other thing that happened was a poltergeist level experience. But uh, I come from a volatile family. There's, there's some abuse involved and there was a night where things were heated verbally and a picture of one of my sisters came off of a slant top desk in another room. And when I say slant top desk, I mean like a writing desk that has a very flat, safe spot and then mm-hmm. a slanting piece. Mm-hmm. And this thing was on the other side of the hall smashed uh, against the wall. Wow. Yeah, so, um, you know, a little bit of a, a poltergeist-type um, experience. I, I don't know whether or not any of my other brothers and sisters uh, have experienced anything like that. My mother used to tell us that there was a guy who used to own the house who passed away in it by the name of Mr. Bonning. So if anything ever happened, it was always Mr. Bonning this, Mr. Bonning that. Mm. Um, uh, that's how we saw it. Come to think of it, I do have a brother. um, I come from a multicultural family where uh, I'm one of three adopted kids. My other two adopted siblings are uh, one mulatto and one half Korean. And my mulatto brother, when he was about 10-ish, saw a white-robed or white-wearing figure uh, in a cornfield on our property, my dad was something of a farmer um, had a little cornfield because uh, he liked to eat fresh vegetables mm-hmm. and just saw this, this figure walking through the corn like faceless white and, you know, being kids, you know, the first thing we're, we're, we're thinking about is Ku Klux Klan but it was just an odd experience and that led him to try to hang out in the the hay barn one night and um, see if he could see it again with one of his friends. That didn't go over. Uh, They spent half the night in there in a really cold part of the year and ended up coming back into the house at about 3 or 4 a.m. But from a cultural perspective, it's an interesting thing because it spawned a series of tag-like games in our neighborhood. I come from a place where my property is the largest on the block. So we had most of the property. A lot of the kids from the street, streets around or right across would come and play on our property or would hang out on our property. And summer nights, somebody decided to dra- dress up in white and go running around the property And it wasn't long before the entire neighborhood of kids was out there chasing them. And that spawned about a, I don't know, five to six year, what I would call a a cultural phenomenon called uh, white man. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: All based on the the thing your brother saw.
3: Yeah. Like somebody would just decide, I'm going to dress up like this and then go running. And then you'd hear calls of white man. And kids would come running and chase this person throughout the property for a while, and then we'd stop. Eventually, we got too old and things got a little physical, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that stopped. But, um, yeah, and, and I can kind of see how maybe strange Fordian experiences in the past might have spawned some cultural practices that maybe we kind of scratch our heads at.
2: yeah. Yeah. That, that is fascinating. That's really, I mean, not, you know, essentially paranormal, but it has that, that seed, you know, where it grew from that.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's just a fascinating thing that that kids would just
3: adopt that. Like that's really, really neat. Yeah. I think that's amazing that that is something that would happen. The next experience happened in high school. I went to a boarding school for about three years and this could be explained away by bad pipes, but at the time and the circumstances that it was under, it just seemed like something I should include. So um, I went to a boarding school in upper New York state for three years. And one night, two out of those three years, there was this very loud, it sounded like a horse kicking a wall, like overwhelmingly loud noise. And the dorm that I was living in was split. One half of it was dorm, the other half was library. And the stairs that went up mirrored each other. So there would be a group of stairs, a landing, and then the stairs would turn and go up again. And then it would come up to that second floor. Right at that juncture of the two landings with the wall in between one night. I heard this very loud banging. I don't know if I had gone to use the restroom or if I were just, I was just up. I don't remember what the circumstances were, but it scared the crap out of me because it was really, really loud. And I was really surprised that nobody else was sticking their head out of their room, looking around at it. Yeah. So that happened. And I was told, I mean, when you you know this, when you go to New England, there's a ghost story literally everywhere. <laughs> like literally, everybody knows a ghost story about something. There was a guy who owned the property that the school is sitting on now, and his name was LeGrand Tibbetts. and he walked with a cane. And the guy that was the housemaster for my dorm before the second time I heard the banging told me that you could hear him moving on the, uh, floor. Uh, sometimes it would be like a, a sharp rap and then, you know, footsteps, sharp rap footsteps, you know, so that sticks in your head. But the other thing was, is I was just getting into OBE. I was playing around with a lot of that stuff. I was not into any sort of magical tradition where i was trying to protect myself i was just kind of flinging myself out into obe land Mm -hmm. um you know not not sleeping like i'm consciously doing this so if any of this is my doing i don't have any uh i don't have any excuse it's probably my fault
2: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean you know, I've talked to so many people that have, you know, when they're attempting OBE or or astral travel or whatever you want to call it, that they just feel like all eyes are on them and, you know, from, from the other, you know? Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that makes perfect sense. The cool thing about this experience is that I, it, it's a shared experience the second time. So I was a freshman in regular, high school and then sophomore through senior in this boarding school. So my sophomore year and then my senior year, this happened again. We had a different housemaster. on my senior year. A lot of the same students from those other years. And this noise happened again and literally the whole floor woke up. And I think something went down to the landing and said they felt shaking wow. on the other side. And I come to find out that this building, this very long building, was a stable.
2: Oh, interesting.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, again, the house master's like, you know, this is just pipes, no worries. And I've done a little research online, not great amounts of research. And it, I mean, it's possible, but it was very rhythmic mm-hmm. and it didn't happen often you know i mean i i would expect that you would hear it during the day during the night a lot if it were a pipe problem like it would be irritating
2: yeah i'm not i can say certainly not an expert on that but we you know in the house i grew up in we would get air in the pipes occasionally Mm -hmm. and they would bang but it wouldn't be just once every now and then they would bang and bang and bang and bang until you let the air out
3: yeah. So like, I mean, I, I don't know how anybody else could possibly have slept through that, you know, unless we were all drunk kids. I don't know. You know, it was just bizarre, just mm-hmm. bizarre.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Did um, it happen around the same time of year, both
3: times? Uh, You know, again, I really wish I had marked the day because I was thinking about that. Um, a lot of this stuff I really wish I had you and Soraya and the St. Brothers and Whitley Streber around uh, to kind of get me in this, this mindset of, of place and synchronicity and uh, personality connection and, and all these other things that are, are, part of that because you know that kind of documentation is is really what's necessary in order to kind of uh put a beat on some of this stuff i feel right yeah um next experience let's see where are we okay um after high school uh I wanted to be an archaeologist because man Indiana Jones was awesome. So (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to be an archaeologist. Um, There was a dig going on in Albemarle Sound in North Carolina. um, The oldest house in North Carolina dig with a house uh, that was built next to it. And I think probably updated and maintained several times. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was the, the house afterwards. it probably was the house that was built when the original house started falling apart. So I'm on this I'm in this again very, very very old house. In North Carolina, and at this point, you know I'm I'm full on reading about Wicca. I'm Crystal's boy, um, you know all those things that are in the 80s, 90s era where um, you know the woo is kind of settling into, if you're pop culture friendly.
2: Right. Yeah. It was it was the time of new age shops on well, not every corner, but on many corners. <laughs>
3: at just about every corner yes yeah, yeah. so um i'm in an old house i'm with a guy who is fairly christian so he's not a, a woo sort of a person he's running this this uh, dig and um agreed to have me come out and look at what a real dig is and really it's just 99% sifting dirt which kind of blows um it's not very fun and then you know 10% cataloging everything right um
2: but uh uh, my limited experience is it's a lot of like chips of pottery and plates (laughs)
3: yeah you have to have a real fine eye i mean is that piece of stone something or is it not something and then you've got to turn it over in your hand 15 times you know looking for details that right. give you something and you know i mean yeah we found uh, pottery shards we found a couple of um uh trash pits so there were like um bone handled uh or uh toothbrushes that were bone handles Um, broken pottery you know stuff like that so yeah i mean real examples that you could look at and say this is the kind of stuff we're looking for yeah it was really cool anyway uh one afternoon he's out um i think he's shopping or something like that and i'm left in the house alone and um i'm about 19 years old and bored don't have a car i'm not going anywhere and there's a storm coming, like, it's my first first experience with flatland thunderstorms where, I mean, there's no stopping them. You know, I, I grew up in Vermont. The mountains tend to uh, mitigate the storms, and they're not always or, or they're very rarely very uh, intense. Whereas if you're living on the coast, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fully, it's a different experience. Yeah, yeah. And so I go inside and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go looking around. I had not been on any floor, but the first floor. And so I went upstairs. My room was right in between. So if you're facing my bedroom door to the left wall is the front door. And to the right is stairs that go up to the second floor. And then, you know, the rest of the house comes out from there. And so it's like, all right, I'm going to go upstairs and poke around a little bit, see what's up there. And I went up there and I looked in this room and I looked in that room and blah, blah, blah. You know, they're all just well dressed rooms. Um, nobody sleeps in them. And I found another small stair that went up further. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And so I went up this little steps into a tiny, Little room. It couldn't have been for more than a child. And there was a little rocking chair in the corner. And I opened the window uh, at the top to watch the storm come in and get some wind in my face and stuff like that. After a while, I started to feel a little creepy. I was like, okay, you know, maybe I need to, I, I feel like I'm intruding. Maybe I need to close this up and just go back downstairs. And one week later, roughly, uh, at about two o'clock in the morning, we both are in our rooms, and it turns out we both hear what sounds like running down the stairs, like a little kid running with abandon down the stairs, and the door opens and slams shut. Hmm. And I come out of my room. He comes out of his room and we look at each other and he's like annoyed. Like he thinks I'm screwing around or something. And I was like, did you hear that? And he was like, yeah. And then he kind of gave me a weird look. I don't think he knew what to do with it. And he just went back to bed. That's the only thing that's ever happened in uh, uh, that place. I was there for about a month. month and a half but I thought it was uh, kind of interesting that it had been pretty calm until I opened that little room up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So there I go sticking my nose where it probably shouldn't have been. (laughs) This is where things get real uncomfortable for me for I don't know, at least a month. I came back to Vermont and ended up moving into a little apartment upstairs from the house of a friend of mine across the street. And that's when I started smoking marijuana. And again, you know, mind altering substances can have an effect. Mm -hmm. I am in my room uh, late one night. And I think I'm trying to go to bed maybe about, 3 30 in the morning which i later find is a a fairly auspicious time right yeah i hear a whisper in coming from the corner of one of the corners of my room saying jay we are here and first time it happened i thought well you know that's that's nothing i'm hallucinating i heard something outside that sounded like this coming from here but it happened over and over every night at 3 30 mm. to the point wow. where i would leave my light on in my room that was the first of it i would leave my light on in my room and i wouldn't go to bed before 3 30 and i would try to wait it out to have it go away eventually getting to the point where I would leave the house at about 3 a.m. and wander around town until dawn Whoa. and then come home and then go to sleep. So I was living this uh, flipped experience and maybe about halfway through that is when I, I really like just stopped doing anything drug related. I was like, I can't even be a part of that if this is happening. Right. Yeah and it came down to a point where I was so upset and so scared of going to sleep or going in the room. It never said anything but, Jay, we are here, but to have an an audible voice in my room was just so jarring that um, I spent a night basically telling it every negative thing about myself that I could think of. Like, if you want fuel, here's the fuel. You can have it just go away. You know, if this is what you're, you're looking for, if this is what you're feeding off of.
2: Wow. That's interesting. Like, I don't know if I would have gone there. That's very interesting.
3: Yeah. Um, I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I was
2: going to say like, like what made you think like that was the way to go, I guess.
3: I guess um, the association of the fear with it. Mm -hmm, mm We think that maybe the fear was important in some fashion and that negativity being stronger than positive motion in most cases was an easier fuel source because everything I'd read read about ghosts up to that point was that they needed something from... Mm -hmm. The living. I don't know where the hell I got that. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, it's it's very, very interesting. So if you would leave and come back, like, after that time, so you, you come back early in the morning, you know, hours after, mm-hmm. 3.30, no problem, you didn't hear anything.
3: No problem, no problem. It would stop. But, like, my bedroom was sharing a wall with the kitchen. So if I was in the kitchen and I was... Making something on the stove, I could still hear it. Oh wow, that's creepy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I felt like I I wasn't kind of safe anywhere in the, in this tiny little apartment. Um, so I would just get the heck out of there. And then you know I, I felt like dawn, like sunlight, was the antithesis or the the um, the safe place, mm-hmm. the haven, which you know again you hear all that. And, I, you know, I could say, you know, I, I intuitively this or I intuitively that. But, you know, really, in all honesty, I've watched more horror movies than anything. And it, everything's okay when the sun comes up. Right. So, <laughs> so that was my, my expectation was that I wasn't going to experience anything if I tried to sleep during the day.
4: Mm-hmm. But now, again,
2: was your life situation at this point like... You know, job or school or whatever you were doing, was it, were you able to sleep during the day or was this just throwing everything off? Yeah. So
3: full disclosure, I'm a handicapped individual. I have social security SSDI. And, um, at that point I was not working and I was doing okay. It was in the nineties and things were still pretty inexpensive and I could get by.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I did eventually end up working at Wendy's <laughs> And then a, a, a taxi company while I was still in Vermont um, before I left Vermont uh, near the end of that stay in that apartment, though
2: it wasn't so much that, that you know it was causing you to miss school or work or anything, but it was just the general interruption of a normal sleep schedule.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I was I was dreading the concept of being in there having to listen to it. Yeah, three thirty in the morning, and it was causing me to lose sleep.
2: I I can imagine.
3: You know, just in general. So yeah, that that disruption, that kind of a a daily disruption where, you know, I was coming off of of being a kid. I was up at, you know, 6, 7, 8, 8, 8 a.m. and down by midnight or whatever. I mean, depending on what was going on in the apartment, it could have lasted a lot longer. But in general, during the week or whatever it was diurnal it wasn't nocturnal
5: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> you so know
2: the voice itself it was obviously loud enough like you said to hear in the kitchen if you were in the kitchen you weren't in the bedroom with yes it. was there anything else you know did it have any particular character it Was male voice female voice that sound weird in any way
3: it felt more male more masculine than feminine and Uh, the, the odd aspect was that it was a whisper that carried distance. You know, um, I didn't have to be right up on that corner to hear it within a fairly reasonable area. I don't think I would have heard it if I were in the living room area. Mm -hmm. Um, and I certainly didn't hear it at the threshold of the building or beyond the threshold of the building, but to be able to hear it coming from my bedroom and still have it be a whisper was odd.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's strange. And then the fact that that it addresses you directly too, that's disconcerting.
3: Yeah, using my name wasn't cool. Mm -hmm. Not cool.
2: We'll get back to jay's story in just a minute i want to remind everybody that if you like our content if you like what we do on strange familiars and you want to help us make more you can become a patron at patreon patreon.com strange there's all different levels of support there the basic level gets you free extra episodes we do a full extra episode every month at least one sometimes we do more But there are other levels of support there as well. If you want to get things like t-shirts, stickers, pins, copies of my books, and more, check it all out, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. They've got monthly subscriptions. They've got yearly subscriptions. Go ahead and check it out. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon and you still want to help us out, you can go to the show notes at strangefamiliars.com under any episode. Look for the paypal.me link. You can click on that and leave a one-time donation. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, by liking and subscribing wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcatcher or YouTube, whatever service you're using to listen to the podcast, and by leaving us those nice five-star reviews, which helps get Strange Familiars in front of new potential listeners. And now we'll get back to our story with Jay.
3: I've heard some people talk about shadow creatures and shadow blobs i've seen a couple of shadow blobs like little i don't know toad sized Mm -hmm. things just kind of move along my path uh never in in vermont that i was aware of one in maryland and one in florida and i I think it was only because i happened to be looking down at the the time don't know what those were they were definitely three-dimensional they definitely had like a a wispy edge around them and they just kind of moved like animals, Mm -hmm. I guess.
2: Yeah. That was Um, my, my only experience when I spent the night in the, in the haunted church, my only thing that happened that couldn't be explained. I I thought there were some noises, but they, they had mice. There was mice in the, in the heating ducts, but The only thing that really, really stuck out to me was I I saw a a black thing about the size of a shoebox on the floor. I woke up to urinate at some point and, you know, was there, came back to, you know, climb on my air mattress and go back to sleep. And there it was still again on the floor. I I had thought it was some equipment I had left there and I was kind of like cussing at myself in my head, like, like it's a dumb place to leave a recorder. You're going to step on that, but too tired to really do anything about it. And then, you know, woke up in the morning and thought, oh, I, I, I have to pick that recorder up before, you know, I step on it or if somebody else comes along and they step on it or something. And, and I look for it and nothing's there. And I realized at that point, whoa, I saw something. And <laughs> l- later on, the, the director of the Historical Society said the it's a not a functioning church anymore. A historical Society is in it. He told me that's one of the things people have seen there, like this black thing going across the floor, this little black shadow, whatever, kind of going across the floor. So... That's the one, one odd experience I had there.
3: Interesting that it's definitely a manifestation that other people have also seen in a very similar way. Huh. Yeah, yeah. No and I've,
2: I've heard, you know, I can't put a number on it, but I've heard several stories of other people who, you know, after I told that story in the podcast, people said, yeah, there was something like that, that, uh, you know, oh what, what were the things from Totoro, the little dust... Uh, little dust sprites or something from that. If you know that movie, my neighbor Totoro. people were talking about seeing things like that. And then, you know, other things and people were, what did they call it? Somebody called it a, I think a cat, even though they said it wasn't in the shape of a cat. They said they just (laughs) would see this shadow thing like a cat. So anyway, when you, when you describe these things, it's like, to me, it's like, Oh yeah, those, those are a thing. What they are. I don't know, but
3: yeah. Yeah. And yeah, shoebox. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, man. I don't know what those things are. I don't know uh why they would meet uh why they would manifest.
2: Now were these when you saw them, were these like inside, outside or
3: they were both outside and they were both in uh nighttime but very bright lighting, like like very well lit areas. Like I, I wouldn't have mistaken a large beetle or A rat or a mouse, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Or this—I mean, it was—it was three-dimensional shadow stuff. Basically, it's all I can. It's the only way I can describe it. It's it's wispy around the edges, like like a moat of fire or something like that. But it's it's dark. It's very weird.
5: Hmm.
3: I don't know what this material is.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's Well, I mean, that, that description that people say that, like, darker than the night kind of applies.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly right. Dark enough to stand out, mm-hmm. you know? Since uh, moving to Texas, I've had some interesting experiences. I guess since I've been a, an adolescent, I've always had a dream issue I don't know what to call it where at certain times in my life, I will lie down to go to sleep and rather than drift off to sleep, like a normal, regular person, like a weirdo, I feel like I'm getting dragged into some sort of experience. I don't, have sleep paralysis per se but the experiences feel very fever dream like hmm. and i literally have to force myself willfully force myself to get out of them and they usually have a few defining factors for example lights don't work i can flick a light on that works in the real world and it won't go on
4: Mm -hmm.
3: in the dream for example um and these are indicators and i'm not always cognizant that that this is what's going on they're not lucid all of the time sometimes I, i i have these experiences where You know, I may wake up normally from them and be physically shaken about it. Other times I have more control and I'm like, I'm dealing with whatever this is and I'm pulling myself out. But recently, I think this is after I discovered, where did the road go? But before I discovered your podcast, I had a dream and I was in my bed, which is open to the room on two sides and dreamt that standing on either side of the bed were these short figures. They were grotesque, like their faces were unfinished or mutilated or had tumors, and they were in shadow. And the best I can describe is they were wearing grand black clothing, and their skin was pale, dead gray, or gray because they were in shadow. And a third figure, a much taller figure, more draped in dark robe-like things. Again, more like shadow stuff than actual clothes and uh, a much taller being. Mm -hmm. And again, really can't see features on these things. One of the two figures stands out because he reminded me of Pugsley from Mm -hmm. The Adams Family. He had a black and gray striped shirt um,
2: my nickname as a child, by the way, was it? <laughs> yeah. One of my one of my brother's older brother's friends used to call me
3: Pugsley. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I hope you punched him at least once for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, ha- having these experiences where weird things would happen in dreams, and the defining factor being that that light wouldn't go on. And then having these weird sort of fever dream type things happen when I'm not sick, you know, I, I don't, I'm not feverish. Right. Um, and having to force myself uh, to be pulled out of this, these dreams, this, this triad of, of figures happened here in Texas about two years ago, three years ago, maybe. And that was the most defined expression of them that I think I've ever seen yeah. Um,
2: the two short, one tall is, I mean, that's very common and, you know, abduction stuff and fairy stuff, et cetera. It's like the, you get the fairy queen with the accompanying things or the, you know, like the, the tall entity with the, the two, uh, that seem to be, I don't want to say servants, but, uh, you know, uh, underlings or something to the tall ones.
3: Yeah. And, and I just don't know whether or not this is like, uh, a... This is a thing for people who have dipped their toe a little too far into the other aspects of our world that you know aren't so obvious, and whether or not these things are sort of like checking up on us, because you know, I mean, you hear about this stuff, and I've I've heard about you know your experiences, I've heard uh, myriad other people's experiences about being surrounded by these figures or whether or not they're working on you mm-hmm. or, or or these other aspects of this interaction and it's not pleasant it's not it doesn't feel helpful uh,
2: yeah if, yeah that's that's the my problem with them is it feels like I don't have any well felt I you know it's been a while. Um, felt like I didn't have any agency in the situation. And and that is something that I I dislike. That's that's the main, my main issue with it, I think.
3: Yeah. And I wonder why that is, why there's not a dialogue, why there's not an equal interaction, Mm -hmm. why there has to be a, a, a dominance aspect to these things. Right. Yeah, exactly. So leading into that, uh, After I had listened more to some listener experiences you had, and also I think uh, Soraya had been reading, I don't know where he was reading from, I can't remember. Anyway, it leads me to understand that, you know, we people, humans, have the ability to ask for this stuff. And I think it may actually be uh, some of the interaction that you've had with Uh, Bigfoot-type entities or uh, poltergeist-type entities in the woods where you're actively asking for experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it may actually be Toad Johnson as well, where you're you're asking for these interactions. And I thought, well, maybe I'll try that. We'll see what happens. So before I went to bed one night, I asked, you know, I want to see whatever you are. I want to interact with you guys. And that night I had a dream. Uh, I was in the bedroom that was next to the room where I saw my, my grinning brother, by the way, Hmm. and bursting into the room. uh, I went to open the uh, door and they came in at a speed that was highly unnatural where two beings in the form of children, not black-eyed children, but children dressed like you would expect somebody to be dressed either in the 1800s or like pictures from the 1920s. And one was taller than the other. And I want to say one had a striped shirt just for recognition purposes. And my reaction was audible screaming, like while asleep it woke me up screaming yeah i don't know why them looking absolutely normal i mean they had no expression on their face they seemed emotionless but just the very presence of them scared me enough that i was screaming like a like a little girl yeah
2: you wonder like what you picked up on yeah
3: What, what did I ask for? Mm -hmm. What was I asking for? And And what, like,
2: is there something behind that screen of, you know, these two young kids, what you saw, what you remember, is there something else there that would cause that kind of reaction?
3: Yeah. I mean, well, just in general, when it comes to any of these experiences, in my experience, it feels like fear is the first reaction. It's a flight or fight kind of a thing. And I don't know why that is. If they're part of the natural world and, you know, I mean, yeah, you got a lot of different experiences. Or uh, I'm sorry, a lot of different opinions about this. But a lot of people say, you know, this is just another facet to our existence, and they've been here as long as we've been, blah, blah, blah. Well, why should they elicit such fear in humanity? What is going on that we have to be running from these things? What's the deal? You know, how are they so intimidating? What is locked in our subconscious uh, that we're not registering when we're experiencing this stuff. I don't know. I, I found it very weird. And the last experience I'm going to mention to you is when I first moved into this new roommate situation, I was coming from poor roommate situation. And this is all within this year, uh, this whole COVID insanity so you know there's a lot of stress and there's definitely a, a, a liminal oh yeah yeah aspect all of this year.
2: Right? It's like we're all just stuck in this kind of liminal period.
3: Yeah it's bizarre. Within the first three nights I'm I'm sleeping in this new bedroom and it's early morning ish. It's probably about three, four AM There's a, a lightning and thunderstorm going on outside and I'm having a dream about a symbol. There's eight C shapes. So, like, imagine one C shape and then put that next C shape next to it and below it and then make a circle all the way around. Okay? And Mm -hmm. then put a weird glyph in the center that is flames. I don't know even how to describe it. It's just really like a A liney sort of a glyph, like a wiggly liney sort of glyph. And then hearing something about the eight sitting gods Hmm. and not gods sitting on the ground, but gods that are in session, basically sitting. Right. Yeah. And then come to find out that a mirror that my new roommate actually really loves, loved, came off from being attached to a brick mantle, missed everything else on the mantle except for a clock that was given to him by, uh, I think it was by a deceased boyfriend, and smashed all over the floor.
2: Hmm.
3: And this was when the first three days of me being here. Um, so
2: that happened at the same time that you had this dream?
3: Yes, during this dream that I was having, the thunderstorm was going on in real life outside. Not, not a dream thunderstorm. This was literally energy in the air. And the result was this very heavy mirror coming off of uh, a brick mantle. Hmm. And all kinds of tchotchkes and, and uh, little things on the mantle just to knock off this clock and and ruin the clock and shatter the mirror. Wow. Yeah. So that's the most recent thing that's happened. Actually, the most recent thing is the two kids, but that's only been, you know, a few months apart.
2: Yeah, that's the the symbol is very, very interesting. Uh, I don't know if it's common to dream of symbols, but I've talked to quite a few people here lately who've Mm -hmm. told me stories about like dreaming of symbols.
3: Hmm. Interesting.
2: Yeah, like almost like um, sigils and, and so forth.
3: Yeah, um I don't dream about written word. Like I've tried to read in dreams. I can't read in dreams. Uh, the words get jumbled or they're backwards, all uh, you know, the writing's backwards or they tend to melt off of a page. the page. that's been my experience about trying to read in dreams. But symbology seems to to come through because it feels In my head, it feels more like drawing rather than uh, reading.
2: To step back to the the previous dream experience you were talking about, Mm -hmm. have you read much on lucid dreaming?
3: I have uh, read a little on lucid dreaming. I've not tried those techniques in a very long time. I think back when I was doing the astral stuff was when I was Mm-hmm. Most into the lucid dreaming aspect. I haven't picked up uh, the lucid dreaming techniques in quite a while.
2: I mention it only because the light switch is like one of those triggers that people say they'll use to realize they're, uh, they're dreaming and then they can go lucid.
3: And that's the weird thing is like that's, that's something that I, I now in a waking sense recognize and I sometimes recognize in a dream state but it's not consistent there'll be dreams that i'm having where the, uh, i'll go to turn a light and it won't go on and i'll immediately be overcome with fear
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know in the dream so maybe that is my subconscious going dude you're dreaming you know relax right <laughs> you know because like i said sometimes yeah i am conscious that that that's oh this is a dream well that sucks no, i gotta <laughs> go through this you know <laughs> <laughs> hey real quick i just wanted to ask a question i've seen a couple of different uh depictions of bigfoot on your artwork but i i noticed that you do like to reuse the cone-headed version mm-hmm. with the big brow where does that come from in your head
2: uh probably mostly an amalgam of witness descriptions. So it's, you know, I've listened to literally hundreds of episodes of Sasquatch Chronicles. So it's just, you know, I'm just drawing from this well of, of like, you know, umpteen, if not hundreds of, you know, witness descriptions of Bigfoot faces. And I'm just, you know, probably the ones that stuck with me the most.
3: The only reason I bring it up is because that is very hairy in the Hendersons. Mm-hmm. And it's also very beef squatch have you ever watched bob's burgers
5: no no
3: okay bob's burgers there's a little kid his son and he gets a a sasquatch mask and he's got a a burger costume like a a mascot costume and he creates beef (laughs) squatch and the head is the like spitting example of of that spitting image of, of, of what you've drawn. And I thought there's gotta be like a zeitgeist based image that people keep projecting.
2: Yeah. I mean, with some of those, I I would literally look at, especially like when I first started drawing Bigfoot, I I would basically be modifying a gorilla face, like basically literally looking at a picture of a gorilla and then Mm. modifying that to, you know, have a hooded nose and, you know, uh, uh, more, you know, man-like uh, features a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. so, sort of, but, you know, so some of the, like the, like the anatomical measurements, like between the bottom of the nose and the top of the mouth and stuff, it's, it's pure gorilla and some of my earlier stuff. Now I've drawn it so many times. I can just, I can whip out a Bigfoot drawing without looking at a, a gorilla or anything else.
3: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's, it's, it's second nature now to you to just pull that right out. I just, I thought it was interesting. There's a lot of examples of that. I mean, you, you also get kind of that weird, overly hairy, abominable snowman, very long, hairy thing going yeah. uh, in, in a lot of the artwork as well that I've seen online. Not just yours, but just in general, um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: where the, the hair is, is much, 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 much longer. It's almost man-like, and the head is much flatter.
2: Easier to draw than uh, than a muscular anatomy <laughs> Yes. No, I can imagine. <laughs> that, that's a, there, There's a little artist cheat there. But, uh, y- y- you know, I would love to get more of the, you know, I love the reports where people say they just look like a Neanderthal or a caveman. And they're just, you know, just have, they have hair on them, but just they're not completely covered in hair, but uh, much harder to draw.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the weird thing about living where I did so close to nature. I come from a little, 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 town in southwestern vermont and you know going out in the woods was common i just would have expected that i would have seen more weird stuff in the woods than i actually did i don't know why that is
2: (laughs) well yeah i don't know because i spent i literally spent my childhood in the woods i would wake up in the morning i would pack a a lunch for myself and i you know I have my dog and and we go and we go all day in the woods. And when I was a kid, I never saw anything weird. You know, it's like, exactly. right, here I am by myself and, and, you know, prime target maybe for that stuff. And uh, nope, never, you know, never saw anything.
3: Yeah, see, yeah. And, and I just, I find that so odd.
2: Well, maybe it's like you said, maybe it's... Oh, because, I'm now. sorry. You no, cut no, out. Go, go ahead, please. Maybe it's like you said, maybe it's because... You know, I kind in a way I kind of started asking for it, and uh, you know, be careful what you ask for.
3: Right, you're going to get it. I mean, you 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 may not get it in the in the way that you expected either. Exactly. 100%. Um, yeah, but I mean, just it's it's odd how certain people are drawn to certain aspects of of the phenomenon, and how others are not. I've never seen a UFO. You know, a lot of my stuff centers around more ghostly related stuff i mean except for these little weird kids and these things standing around my bed which kind of falls into ufo territory but i'm definitely a, a firm adherent to the idea that this isn't you know subdivided there's no there's no delineation between the experiences if you're experiencing poltergeist activity outside you're not experiencing Bigfoot. You're experiencing poltergeist activity outside,
2: right? Well, um, it, or my new favorite way of saying it is, you know, you get people say, "Well, everything is fay," and to my my answer to that is, yes, it's also everything is ghosts and everything is poltergeist and everything is gin, and you know, it all fits million. so nicely yeah. together.
3: Yeah. So that's been my takeaway from uh, listening to you, listening to Soraya on where Did the road go, um, some of the guests uh, that. The Snake Brothers have had, uh, there's definitely a connection to all of this stuff. It's not, it's not individual stuff. It's not, you know, uh, cryptids and this and UFOs and ghosts and that. It's all interrelated stuff. And it really has to do with our per- our perception and, uh, and our, our, experience is being reflected back at us at some level.
2: Absolutely. There's something to it. Again, I can't, it's a spider web. You can't pull one string without, you know, moving a bunch of others. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how exactly these are connected, but it's undeniable that, uh, that they seem to be.
3: I would agree a hundred percent.
2: Jay, thank you so much for sharing your stories.
3: Thank you for having me on, Tim. I very much look forward to, everything that you're going to be doing in the future thank thanks. you uh, so much for for being uh, a voice for for all of us to get our our stories out
2: that's literally my pleasure i have a job i love so thank you thanks take care Allison.
0: Yes. (laughs) Let's say you had a puppy.
3: I like that idea.
2: And your puppy was having issues with mouthing and biting.
0: That seems logical.
2: Where would you go for help?
0: I think I would go to 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy.
2: What about if your puppy was having issues with (laughs) fear and nervousness, barking, chewing on furniture, shoes, or other things they shouldn't be chewing on? If you were having issues with crate training, hyperactivity issues, leash training, or more, where would you go for help?
0: I think I would go to Tina at 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy.
2: 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you with their relationship-based approach to training. They help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have online sources like video lessons, a secret Facebook group where you can join other 90 Days subscribers. They have one-on-one options available. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Let 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods. So you and your puppy can become
0: perfect for each other. Exactly.
2: It's 90 days to the perfect puppy. Sithappens.us. Again, look for that 90 days to the perfect puppy link at the top of the page. Before we get to our photo of the week, I want to thank Samantha Ann for her PayPal donation. Thank you very much. It's a huge help. And of course, I want to thank all of our patrons as well. Without you guys, we couldn't do the show. So thanks so much. You guys make Strange Familiars happen. So this is a little bit later than our usual fare. I want to say this is well into the 1900s.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, like probably the 40s.
2: The 40s? Oh my <laughs>
0: gosh. Like just yesterday or 80 yeah. years ago. <laughs>
2: yeah, that looks about right.
0: I'd say late, maybe late 40s even.
2: Appropriate for the weather of the week.
0: I thought I'd just lean into this kind of frozen wonderland theme. You can tell how excited I am about the frozen wonderland, by the way.
2: <laughs> I like the pile of jackets on the side there. Is that a broom to brush off the...
0: The snow the, and the, reveal the, the ice. The yeah, ice, it's a yeah. B- basically a picture of people ice skating. Yes, yeah, it's,
2: it's a group of people ice skating. I want to say that's local. It it looks really familiar. I feel like that's somewhere around here.
0: Mm-hmm. It does look familiar.
2: Yeah. How do you judge the time on that?
0: Well, I kind of know what lot it came out of with other things that were identified, so that helped a lot. But, <laughs> I mean, clothing is a, a huge signifier of what era things are.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a little bit bigger than uh, than we have been.
0: I think it's five by seven.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I'll put this in the show notes. it will be an image of this. You can click on that. It'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can buy this or other photos of the week. Our Etsy shop name is Lost Grave. If you go there, we have original artwork. We have copies of all of my books. Everything's in stock right now. There's Strange Familiars t-shirts. There's all kinds of stuff in the Etsy shop. It's shop name Lost Grave, but if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff will come up. You'll see it. While you're on Etsy, make sure to check out Chad's shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. He's got all kinds of wool stuff and axes and knives and outdoorsman-y stuff. Make sure to check out Karmic Garden with their natural essentials, good-smelling stuff, soaps and lotions and the like. They have their Flannel Man scent and the Bespoke Strange Familiar scent, which we kind of picked out or came up with or whatever. It was our idea There's that a, they're making I There don't
0: is know. a name for, like... Like whatever, like the sommelier version of a a person who makes perfume, isn't there?
2: Yes. And that's not us.
0: I don't even have to remember what that word is because that does not apply.
2: (laughs) We just picked three fragrances we liked and said, hey, try these three together. And it it actually turned out well. So you can check them out. Karmic Gardens on Etsy. Once again, make sure to check out Riverbend Comics, riverbendcomics.com. I think John said he got in a bunch of shadow stuff for people. So he got a few shadow orders since last week's show, so if you like uh, the shadow, I've been collecting it for a while, but uh, this kind of renewed my interest, this Walter Gibson episode. You can check it out. He's got stuff in stock, or you can see if you can win by submitting a shadow photo on Instagram. Well, that's it for this episode. I don't think we're doing an extra episode this week.
0: Well, we had to take off for Groundhog Day, so it set us back. Exactly. <laughs> the <laughs> celebrations were just too heavy. Sh-
2: shoveling snow set us back. <laughs> Stay warm, everybody, if you're in the cold zone. I know we're supposed to get a
0: A lovely Arctic breeze. Yeah, what did they
2: call it? A, A Siberian cold front, I think, is coming through. So stay warm, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. And we're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars. Make sure to enter that shadow contest.